What's going on, everybody? This is AJ Capasso here from Talking with the Source. I'm here with my best friend, Jonathan Keyworth of JK47 Paranormal Investigations. How are you doing, my brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Uh, hanging in, man. Tired as heck. Tired as heck. <laughs> it's all good. Ready for a nap, baby. Ready for a nap. But anyway, besides that. We have an amazing guest on today, but first I want to shout out, we are live right now on Parapost Network Central on Facebook, so please head over to Parapost Network Central, and as well, we have Global Ghost Hunt that's coming up in uh, the springtime, in April, end of April into May, um, so if you are a paranormal team or researcher, please head over to www.globalghosthunt.com and check it out and sign up. Because we need some signups, you know. I mean, yeah, we have man. some amazing teams. We have some awesome teams that already signed up. So join a join a growing community is what I should have said. But there you anyway, go. Anyway, we have an amazing guest, my man. We have T. Allen of Ghost Hunter Advice. Let me bring him up right now. All right. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. What's hey, up, T? <laughs> so John, go ahead, start it off, brother. Yeah, man. Um, so we were talking to the back. You, you were doing business podcasts. You, st you started your uh, paranormal podcast about the same time uh, talking with Source started. Um, so why don't why don't you tell us about your uh, paranormal experiences and and what got you into you know studying it? Yeah. So uh, I started this back in two thousand one. Uh, actually going out investigating the paranormal over over 20 years of experience doing it. Um, I grew up, saw some things that I couldn't really explain yeah. and just uh, just decided to dive in. Um, when I was 16, I got a car and a ghost hunting kit at the same time. One of those oh. old school tri-field meters and nice. counter <laughs> and just went out and started going after it. Um, studied. Uh, I worked with Troy Taylor at uh, American Ghost Society for a while. Uh, I was a Tennessee representative there, did a couple of events and stuff with them, um, learned learned the investigation part. Uh, I was a licensed private investigator for about 15 years. Uh, originally, when I had gotten into wow. ghost hunting, I was too young to be an investigator, and it's the same skill set. So I'm interviewing people, I'm digging deep into backgrounds, I'm doing investigations, setting up cameras, doing surveillance and vigils, um, and... It, uh, it was great practice. I uh, spent about 15 years as a private investigator, gathering evidence, getting things ready for court. Um, everything from missing persons to um, homicides to divorces there. And yeah, um, started wow. Ghost Hunter Advice. Uh, I wanted a resource that I wish I had when I started. Ghost Hunter Advice was uh, a way for people to learn from the mistakes that I made, uh, mm -hmm. learn like what equipment actually works, what stuff is just fads. And, um, you know, get kind of a real deal. Now it's a live show. So it's, uh, I took down the, the podcast RSS feed, the websites and stuff, and it's just on Parapost now. Um, people send their questions into ghosthunteradvice at gmail.com. And uh, when I have enough questions, I jump on and do a live stream tantrum. That's, That's awesome. a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. That is absolutely awesome. I mean, you know, it's amazing because for you to shut down your RSS feed, um, like that's a huge aspect of your audience of where you could grow doing that show. But for you to take it to a whole nother level and say, Nope, I don't need that. And focus totally on Parapost and focus on the people. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolutely awesome that you did that. That's totally cool to have a live thing where they could see you talk to you, you know, get their answers. And I, I think that's awesome that you did that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to do the, just the podcast and the RSS feed but I really wanted that uh, that interaction. And then also my, my goal here with Ghost Hunter Advice, it used to be to grow it. And I was doing like some affiliate marketing with stuff and looking at growing and monetizing in this. But 
um, the way the, the paranormal podcasting uh, and paranormal content creation is going anyway, it just made more sense to do this instead of, you know, you're paying for an RSS feed. You might be paying for some marketing and putting that money in and not getting a return on it. Um, I do other podcasts. I mean, I do a true crime podcast called Murder We Drink. Um, yeah. The uh, that one's actually season one is dropping at the end of the summer. We're in pre-production right now with scripting and research. Uh, and then. Oh. We start recording in three weeks, and then we got about two, three months of post before it comes out. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome that you're doing that, that you're like, you know, sitting back, making all the episodes, doing everything you need to do. Now, are you going to release them one by one, or are you yep. going to release them all together as a season? How are you going to do it? Uh, so season one is going to be 10 episodes. Uh, we're going to record them in a new episode. We'll put them on the hopper. Uh, yep. I use Libsyn. And they'll drop every two weeks until season one's done. We'll be working on season two while that's going. Uh, we'll probably oh, take cool. a week hiatus. Season two is when we're actually going to launch the premium subscriptions. So we'll have, we're looking at 18 episodes for season two with uh, between seven and 10 that are behind, a, behind the paywall. Wow, that is awesome, man. That is so cool. Go ahead. So, so what, what, what's your uh, go-to piece of... Uh, a pair of ghost hunting equipment like what's the one that you wouldn't leave without <laughs> um i i would say a uh, a voice recorder i do a lot voice of ed i'm a sound guy um so i do a lot of podcast editing and i i uh, hired by a couple of podcasts to to do their their editing and sound production so i'm, I'm a sound guy I, I like being able to yeah. take that look at it break it down and actually see the uh the waveforms and everything there That's so awesome. what's your opinion on on the sb7 um, it varies. So it's, it's one of those things that I go back and forth on when we're talking about ghost boxes. I usually use the S box from, um, uh, from ghost stop, yeah. but, uh, I've used both of them. There's mostly what I have found is that it's just confirmation bias, uh, but, mm. um, there, there have been a couple of instances where I was at, uh, a mass gravesite. There were hundreds of bodies that were dumped into, uh, it was a field behind what was a, a, a Civil War hospital, both Union and yeah. soldiers. And I got a very clear, in a voice that was not on the radio, thick Southern drawl, um, we're buried. Wow. So that now, one I can't. Tell me when, I was going to say, could you explain it when you put it through your wave thing and like, you know, through your audio spectrum or whatever you use? Nope. Uh, so that wasn't, that was a, a very distinct voice um, that yeah. didn't match anything that was coming across the radio at that time. So with, and with that, I didn't hear it at the time. I heard it on the recorder that I had running beside the device. So that one, I'm not that sure. That always happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that always happens for some reason. I feel like, okay, there'll be sessions that I'll do with the SHB-1 from the Hope Spirit, um, from Hope Paranormal. And they use like fragments of uh, gibberish to like, you know, different vocal sounds of like male, female, little kid, all that type of stuff to do focus sessions. They have, and they have mixed genders and it's like a portal in your hand. And basically, I'm not sure if you're aware of the, the app or not that I'm talking about, but basically, um, I'll use it and like, I won't hear anything live sometimes, but then all of a sudden I'll listen back with my, like with my recording or with my camera. And I'm like, wait a minute. I did not hear that live. Like that was clear as day. Like, why did I not hear that live? So I'm wondering if between me and you, like, and to all the audience, like as a theory, I was wondering, do you think that they could be manipulating the device that we're using to record them? And manipulating the audio coming out of the box through that way into the audio camera. You know what uh, I mean? Anything's possible. And I mean, it's possible it's not even a they. Um, yeah. Something that I've been looking into more is we're actually projecting onto the devices. It's our actual subconscious that we're that we're communicating with, not a, an external force, but something that we're actually doing and putting on the... It used to be tape oh, when so I first started with tape. Oh. Okay, so you believe that it's not something like external, like a spirit. You believe that it might be our subconscious actually putting it on there. I, I think it could be a mix. If there, if there is something out there that is a ghost or a uh, that is a an external, an entity or a, a, a I don't want to say personality, but a consciousness. Yeah. Um, it could be that sometimes. It could be us sometimes. Uh, I don't think it's one distinct answer. And I think that's I like the that. problem you run into. 
I like that because I always wonder to myself, I say to John all the time, I'm like, what if it's us? Like, what if our intent so hard thinking about the subject, our thought or, just kind of consciously I mean, goes about into it. the body? Think about it. What, what, if, what if spirit or whatever uses us to project that in into the device? You know, like they, they can't manipulate the actual device. It's us because we're here yeah. in this physical realm. And they're they're somewhere else, you know. And that's a, a longstanding theory uh, among parapsychologists is that whenever we see, like, we actually see a full apparition or we see something standing in a hallway, mm-hmm. it's not actually standing there. What we're seeing is the entity actually interacting with our perception and kind of hijacking that signal between the that's optical nerve and the brain and overlaying yeah. itself. So, I mean, that's like the, that's the neoland, right? Like mm-hmm. that in the center of the brain. Yeah, controls all that stuff. No, that that's interesting, man. Because like like what I do uh, every Tuesday, so I, I do uh, targeting with the JK forty seven. I work on cold cases, and I do my SB seven back here, and I get all sorts of crazy answers working on these cases. And you know, with you being a private investigator and stuff, it, I, I I think we should talk more, man. You should see some of the stuff <laughs> I've done, man. It's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty I, cool. I kept this, and one of the reasons that I I use T. Allen instead, I use a, a pen name or a stage name instead of my actual name, is so that I keep this away from my my day job. Um, yeah. But I used to go further, and I didn't put my name or or anything out into the world that would link me to the paranormal. Like you had to know yeah. people and who knew someone to get to me to have me do an investigation. Yeah, and I got a call from this other private investigator. And he just, he's like, Hey, are you Tanner? Are you the one who does the spooky shit? I was like, wait, what? How did you know that? And he goes, yeah. So I got this guy and apparently he was, he was psychic. He was getting these signals. He's like, there's going to be a murder. And um, yeah. And he's like, I don't believe in this stuff and I never want to see it again. Here's the number. Call him. So we spent we spent a few weeks going through there. We never found the house where the murder was supposed to take place, but it, it was an interesting case. And also, I was like, wow. okay, so people know I'm into this, and that's when I started coming out with the podcast. And yeah, and, yeah, I would have too, though. I totally would have too after that situation. Like you can't you can't not after that, you know? <laughs> Someone calling you out and be like, dude, this guy knows there, there's a murder somewhere, and like I would totally go and try and look for it. You know what I mean? This, see, that's so, what I love is meeting new people, and they ask, oh, so what do you do? And I'm like. I'm a paranormal investigator. Their first reaction, just watching their face, it's either, <laughs> or it's, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, I love that, man. Um, geez. So, so you just do the podcast now? You don't do any more private investigations or? or... No. So I left, um, I left PI work back in probably about a year or two ago. Like I'll drop into it every once in a while. Uh, I'm still licensed as a PI, but uh, my day job, I'm in real estate now. So I do uh, oh, I do real good. estate sales. Yeah. I had moved uh, starting, I think it was 2018, 2019. I started getting more into the business side of investigations. So I was teaching people how to run their businesses, teaching people how to do sales and marketing and, and grow things. And I got more into leadership development, sales development. Right on, right on. So so how's the real estate in uh, Tennessee? Is that it's where good. you're at? Yeah. Yeah, it's doing good. Yeah, I might man. have to talk to you again, man. <laughs> I got to get out of this blue state. <laughs> hey, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm actually working on a case now. I'm not sure if you heard about it. Um, it's in Memphis uh, about a, a, a DJ. Uh, he was uh, pronounced dead on uh, January 24th. Uh, his brother found his body and he was decapitated. And uh, his name was Slick Rick, uh, Rick Buchanan. I'm not sure if you heard about it. It was on the the, the Fox, your local Fox News and stuff. But uh, nah, you yeah. can't stick away from news. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you told me it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm working on it, and uh, you know, it's it's crazy, like the the stuff I'm I'm getting, and I just I just, you know, I guess the thing is going back to that consciousness is is when i'm doing these sessions like my eyes are closed and i'm just i'm just focusing you know come on rick come through you know what do you have to say about this like i'm not projecting the answers but it's crazy these answers i get some stuff (laughs) so um yeah 
you know, going back to the EVP things, like I, I've had the recorder in my hand and I, I have a hat that I could put the GoPro on. So, you know, wherever I look is what, what gets recorded. And I'll, I'll get EVPs on this, but not on this. I mean, so how's that work, you think? <laughs> that So people have been arguing about that since we, we discovered the EVP was a thing. Um, it'll be picked up on one microphone, but not the other. It, you could have two digital recorders, maybe like a condenser mic, uh, uh, a dynamic mic going, and it'll pick up on one and not the other. Um, sometimes it's the frequency of the microphone, we think. Um, other times it's how it's actually configured. Uh, there was one guy that I was talking to, he's an audio specialist, and he was saying he believed that EVPs only came through on um, condenser microphones because of the exposed electrical wire. Um, and they would interact there, enter the microphone, and they would, they, yeah, they would yeah. sound that way. Um, he said anything picked up by a dynamic mic was probably a disembodied voice, just because of the way the microphone works. But because we don't, we don't know how how it works. I, I don't right? want to get too yeah. definitive. It's yeah, er, everything's up in the air. It's, it's a whole lot of I don't knows. Well, we have a we had somebody yeah. on, and he has a special microphone piece that goes onto devices. And it's set between what he did was him and his team went and found like through an audio spectrum where exactly all the EVPs were coming from, what exact Hertz. Mm -hmm. And he tuned this device to that Hertz so that when you record on your phone or your, your recorder or whatever, you, the microphone only picks up that level of Hertz that can't be heard. And then basically replace it where you can hear it in the decibel that you need to hear it in or the whatever it's called in your, mm -hmm. you know, thing or hurts you can hear it. And I tell you what, like he's gotten some amazing stuff with it. I was yeah. very shocked. That was crazy. Yeah. The, the thing about technology like that is when it comes to sound waves that form voices, and this is the big argument against that, mm -hmm. it's not going it, to, the, the sounds cannot exist in that range and they believe they're being created when um when you're basically compressing or you're you're manipulating the files and bringing them down or up into into our range to hear them yeah. but I, that's again that one's been a, a long-standing theory and people have been using different microphones and different hearse for um there are different frequency levels for decades trying to uh trying to pin something down but yeah, yeah. with EVPs, I mean, if you go if you go through and you listen to EVPs, you're out, you're 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 on your recorder. If EVPs only happen on the the ranges that we can't hear, yeah, why the hell are they showing up on normal digital recorders that are not recording exactly. out exactly? Exactly, that makes no sense to me either. It's like, mm -hmm. why is it showing up on a digital recorder? Because that's the only under digital recorders are set at the range of our hearing. Or, so, or why why are you getting correlating answers to a question that you just asked 30 seconds ago? You know, well, that, that, yeah, that's not that's besides the point. Just the fact of you hearing a voice is just like, why didn't you hear it in person? You know? Yeah. yeah. No, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So so what was your favorite place to investigate when when you were investigating? Or did you do like home cases or did you have I just a said home cases? Yeah, so okay. I uh, so I went to Bell Witch Cave. I had fun there. Um, it was spooky. is a beautiful cave, but we we didn't really get anything. Uh, it was just a it was a beautiful location. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite locations was one, and this was this was an ongoing investigation that lasted about four years. Um, wow. It was uh, it was a wooded area. Uh, there was a lot of rumors about things that that went on. We uh, we experienced a, a disembodied voice of a singing woman over over a creek that was running through, uh, moving through the trees. We saw four, full torso apparitions. Oh um, my gosh. A, a place in uh, Cleveland, Tennessee called Fletcher park. Um, and it was, it was fun. It was, it was interesting. The, uh, my first full torso apparition on a, on a case, uh, manifested what was called the spring house. Uh, when I was out with another investigator, uh, it was a little boy dressed in uh, clothes from the, the early 1900s. Jeez. And it was, yeah, it was an interesting case. Yeah, I would so, say so. Nicole has a question here. She said, is there a place uh, where you would not return? <laughs> um, there, there was one, and it had nothing to do with, with paranormal. Um, what was that one? 
So there was there was somebody uh, we did an investigation. It was a residential investigation. And when I showed up, the they were they were drunk or high or something. Uh, oh, it just yeah. it ended up turning into this massive, massive shit show. Yeah, that's the worst you can have. It's somebody who's literally messed up on something and then at a location where you're going to investigate or even being an investigator that's messed up on something, that's actually very dangerous. You know, it's it's scary. And that's the downside to doing residential investigations like you. There's all these places that you can go and you can pay to investigate, but going into people's homes where they're having explanation, where they're having activity and you're not yep. just there to investigate, you're there to... um you're there to, to figure out what's going on. Like you, oh, you have right, a, a right. reason for being there and you're going to have more than one night. So oh, like you, exactly. these things stretch out for months. Sometimes um, there was one where they were they in their living room and going into a hallway. They were experiencing these apparitions, these moving lights, uh, feelings of dread and uh, got down in their basements and found a DIY junction box right there underneath the, uh, the floor where everybody was getting those wow. weird feelings. It was just leaching a ton of uh, wow. EMF. EMF. Everything was going nuts. Wow. So ele an electrician exercised that house. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, electrician exercised that house. I like that. That was good. <laughs> that was awesome. So so yeah, one, of, one of my favorite cases was in Tennessee, actually. Uh, I, I went to a, a home investigation. Um, uh, she was pulled by her hair over the couch and dragged down the hall. And the husband was sitting in his chair when, when this happened. And they they got these images of, of stuff flying in the room and stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm going. I, I want to get this stuff on tape. And, and, you know, through the investigation, I was, I was there for, for three days, man. And, and what I come to find out is that it was her mom coming through the box and you know she just wanted to say goodbye and wanted her and her sister to be together and you know she was just trying to get their attention and mm -hmm. I, I think it's really weird that they can do that physical stuff but I, I you know I, I was so skeptical I'm like okay let's prove it you know that that's the main reason I wanted to go I was like, like yeah but um you know, the, the biggest things I got was through voice recordings and, uh, you know, the S-Box. I used that. I also used uh, the Necrophonics app a little and my SB7. I make sure to divvy it up so, you know, I see if I can get the same responses through different devices and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's that's what it ended up being. And in doing all the home cases, 95% uh, of the times I found out they were family members wanting help to move on or get, you know, finally spread their ashes or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Interesting. A lot of hours like, um, and I, I still will go out if, uh, if somebody calls me and it's interesting enough or if, uh, but when I go out, it's to create content. So there's, uh, if I'm going to investigate someone's home, they're signing, a um, uh, a media waiver and they're, this is, yeah, this is something yeah, that's going to be for either for a book, for a podcast or something like that. But, um, I've I found that when I go out and I talk to people a lot, a lot of times before I even get to the house, I have them do a journal. So just go ahead. Every time you experience something, every time something is uh, is happening that's unexplainable, just write it down. Write down the time. Write down um, everything to describe the environment. Everything to describe what happened. And that way, I can take that journal and I can pick the best times to yeah. go investigate if there's a pattern. Yeah. Um, also, what happens is people kind of debunk things themselves. Well, okay, this is happening. Well over this way we've got a train going by and that's what's making your table shake um the there's there's things that we can tie to the external causes for it but i love what happens is when people start getting mindful about that i'm like okay also i want you to see a therapist so i want you to to talk to somebody see what's going on and we we have conversations about the stress in their life we have conversations about what's going on and we have conversations about their mental health a lot of people don't want to talk about that if people absolutely refuse that, that's a huge red flag for me, and I will cut that investigation right then and there. Um, so if they're if they talk to a counselor, if they're going out and they're putting more positive stuff into their life, um, I found before I even get out there, the hauntings just kind of go away. Uh, and it's not yeah. saying that like it's caused or like in their head, um, but maybe certain things are attracted to certain vibes. And now if you're putting out positive energy, you're starving that thing out, it leaves or 
maybe getting back to kind of what we talked about before where we're causing some of the stuff maybe all that shit that's going on is a manifestation of all the the energy yeah. that you're out. so either yeah, way and it, if it makes it through all of that and we're still having activity that's when i'll go out to a house and i i don't work with a team now i go out alone so we yeah, get through all that stuff, and then i pop out all there alone. yeah yeah and nicole had a question here she said uh uh, have you guys ever had a case where it's like a hoax? And yeah. I personally have. Like, I drove to Kansas and I, I got to their place and stuff. And I started doing the investigation. And I was like, this, this is kind of BS. And and the lady's like, no, we're not. I was like, I, I got to go, you know. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't do this. <laughs> Uh, when uh, when I was an investigator, I was a uh, I was a forensic interviewer, and so I went out to this case, and it was it was local. So we got out to the house, and I separated the family, and I got uh, the the information from the mother first, who called me because she, she was freaked out. Yeah. Um, and then I got the kids, and I sat them down, and we started going backwards and forwards and sideways. Um, I use uh, cognitive. Uh, uh, what I use is called the Peace Method. It's based on cognitive behavioral therapy and. Uh, um, neuro linguistic programming. So we go backwards, we go forwards, we go sideways, we go out of sequence of events. And basically it's like 45 minutes to an hour of talking and interviewing everybody. But what I found out where the kids were playing these pranks on their mom, where they were moving this doll around the house oh. and they were, <laughs> yeah. So that one, that like, like that day I spent a couple hours there interviewing and then I marched the kids into the, in the room with their mother to apologize to their mom. <laughs> Oh geez, yeah, <laughs> that's good parenting, man. Right. <laughs> uh, I didn't have one. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was a I was a private investigator, and I had gotten I've uh, gotten a call because somebody else figured out, hey, he does this spooky stuff too. So this woman walks in, and she um, she's like, I, I I've heard that you kind of deal with both things, and uh, I'm having this problem. I'm not sure what's going on, and she describes the activity, and I um. I was like, okay, well, how about we do this? Because it sounds like you could possibly have some bugs. So we'll, um, I'll charge it as a bug sweep. If we find things going on there, I'll charge you. If, uh, if it ends up being something that is spooky, uh, then I won't charge you for it because I don't charge for those types of investigations. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I take the retainer and I get out there because this is done through my PI agency. agency. And uh, I started debugging some debugging and I find some weird stuff. I find some speakers hidden and what? I. Um, some, some, uh, one was a EM pump, and uh, yeah, so I started uh, all these little speakers, and I found like some microphones and stuff, and I found some things around uh, one of the windows that looked like someone had been spending quite a bit of time there uh, on the sure. outside. Um, so I was like, okay, so let's uh, let's let's see what's going on here. So I do this investigation, and um, I set I set my own stuff up. And she's very, very wealthy. This was a massive estate. This was like one of those houses okay. Scooby Scooby Doo crew would get lost. Yeah. <laughs> right. So these her adult children were sneaking into the house, pretending to be ghosts in costume. Sometimes they would come in and they would move her stuff. They would no move. No way. <laughs> they were gaslighting her and making her think that she was crazy, trying to get her to talk to people about her house being haunted. So that oh. they could, um, they could get a, um, um, uh, what is it? Uh, a right of an attorney or the, they could basically take control of her estate and have her, have her committed and push her off to a oh home my God. and take control <laughs> of the hundreds of millions that this woman was worth. So this, um, yeah. Um, so they got written out of the will. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guarantee that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was I had uh, I had a couple of cases like it was all the same year too, and I called them my Scooby Doo cases, where I just had a couple of things that were messed up like that that were that were just people trying to gaslight their elderly parents into oh my taking God. control of their fortunes. Yeah. So how many wills are you in now? Because right. you found this out. <laughs> Zero. Okay. Here's the the part about being a PI that people don't talk about is we're associated with that person's worst memory. Like we're the person who steps in on the worst day of their life to take care of something they never thought they would have yeah. to deal with. So the sooner we're out of their life, the better. God, man, that's so messed up. I, like, I'm I'm wondering what Scooby Doo episode pawned this thought in their head. <laughs> I know. You know that's, that's so perfect explanation. They so uh, Nicole, <laughs> Nicole had another question. She says, "Have you guys had a case that involved a Ouija board? I've had two uh, that 
you know, were kind of messed up. Uh, one where uh, he had it nailed on his garage with the planchette on it. And he was one, and his tools were like catching on fire when he was using them and stuff. I'm like, well, let's try moving this first and I'll check your electrical and stuff. And, and, and yeah, his electric was fine. It was testing fine. I was like, yeah, just get rid of that thing. And, you know, I guarantee it won't happen again. So <laughs> it brought that to ease. I, you know, I don't know what could cause a tool to catch on fire while you're using it. I mean, they were pretty new tools too. So, it was interesting. Um, what about you? Um, I've never had one that directly involved them. I, I play with them from time to time. I think it's a fun yeah. board, board game. Yeah, fun board game. Yeah, yeah. I think spirits get pissed that you ha they have to spell everything out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love using the spirit box. <laughs> I've seen this TikTok video where they were using one and this can went flying and hit the guy in the head because <laughs> he was taking too long. Oh, man. But yeah, everybody's uh, uh, excited about your Scooby stories. Right. <laughs> In fact, uh, uh, Mark wants to know: uh, Did you find any? Uh, <laughs> did you find any of the Scooby snacks? We did not. <laughs> uh, let's see. She says, "I had a K two after at the Omen house." Oh, okay. Nice. So, so what do you what do you think about the K twos and elect? electromagnetic fields is it a good way to find stuff that's leaking in the house maybe like that junction box right yeah um there's there's a couple of things that i use k2s and different ems for the the tri-field is my favorite um the yeah. old analog one's great the new digital one's even more sensitive and accurate than the the old really? one from, from alpha yep um so if you if you haven't like update uh, update it it's it's 180 bucks and it's an awesome piece of tech oh, okay. but All it's right. um so I use them for debunking. I look for for sources. I look for things that shouldn't, you know, places where I shouldn't be getting readings that would indicate something being hidden, like a speaker box or something for a hoax. I always, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but I also don't want to be taken for a ride. So I always, I, I go through this checklist. So it's like, okay, is there a natural explanation? Um, is there fraud involved? And then we'll start getting into the supernatural stuff. Um, I have had instances like that one time at uh, that that uh, full torso apparition at Fletcher Park um, mm -hmm. where uh, it buried the needle uh, when we when we had that flash of of ghost, the the equipment went off. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of argument because it doesn't happen every time, but also there's not a lot of people that are using them correctly. Um, a lot of people don't rec realize that there's only a, really a 10 foot range on most of those. So if it's more than 10 feet away, you're not going to get an accurate reading. The closer you are, the more accurate the reading is. That's why it gets stronger as you get closer to it. Um, and then I've seen a lot of people use the natural tri-fields as handheld units walking around and getting all sorts of readings because those are, those were designed to be stationary units that would just yeah. observe the room. So I think when they're being used correctly, we get more um, there's, there's more, you know, positive hits from it when there's actual activity happening, but it's, um, it's just one little thing. So I like having things that will correlate. So if I get an EVP and I can match that to an EMF, great. If I get mm -hmm. uh, a disembodied voice, a EVP, some sort of weird anomaly in the room, an EMF, and, and I can get all of those pieces of data to, to correlate. I think it just adds weight to it. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and and one of my favorite things is like, uh, you know, these people that are trying to be TikTok famous and stuff like they'll have the K2 right there as they're live and they don't realize that the live phone is the thing setting it off. Like if, if you're red and they move it closer to the phone, it's just. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, we had one. Um, there was a, it'll also pick up signals. So if you're getting a, a the best way to fake that is to have just somebody text you so that you're getting a, an alert to your phone. Whenever your phone hits that signal or sends a signal, it'll light it up. Even if it's like my phone's in my pocket, the K2's up here, it's going to mm. light up on the K2. Uh, we had um, we were trying to do a spirit communication session, and we kept getting these these hits on the on the K2 meter, and it picks up Bluetooth. So I I was like, hey guys, go ahead and scan. Make sure there's no Bluetooth uh, on in the in the house especially anything that's disconnected that's trying to connect to something because every yeah. time it sweeps and it hits that k2 meter it's going to set it off so we've we've found a lot of stuff um 
and uh, we've been able to get rid of a lot of false positives just by finding things that uh, that should be turned off with the k2 no that's awesome man i i that like that's my favorite thing is trying to debunk my own stuff like i'll <laughs> sit there and like if something happened that i can't explain i'm like okay let's go through this you know like uh i i had this one case and i i was downstairs i was live and um you know i'm i'm looking this way and i hear this right right by my ear and i turn around and i'm like okay there's got to be a raccoon so i turned on all the lights looking for amp. there was nothing there and i was just like oh my god i'm like what am i dealing with <laughs> it's kind of freaky um so cameras uh i i use a polaroid i like using polaroids because it it it's pretty genuine. It's not too high tech, but you know, they're easier to debunk cause you got the picture right there, you know, and I've gotten some crazy stuff on a digital camera too, but I, I've always said, okay, this must've been a light flare, you know, something reflecting. What do you think about uh, cameras? Um, I think they're good for backing up personal experiences. Uh, the big thing, and this is this is something that gets overlooked a lot with uh, with investigators. Your personal experience is the most important piece of evidence you're going to get at a at a location yeah, yeah. because it doesn't matter. Every piece of uh, every photo and every video, especially with the AI tools that we have now, everything can be faked. So it doesn't matter what you put out there as evidence of the paranormal; they're going to say it's fake. So there's other than keeping it for yourself, there's not really a whole lot of reason to to have it unless you're proving it for some sort of um, some religious organizations require photographs, require evidence, and require a very high standard of uh, of investigation before they'll send someone to to do anything about it. Right. Um, right. So if you're doing investigations for for that, yes, cameras work great. Um, I use GoPros and the, uh, I use video. I don't really do a lot of still photos unless I'm just documenting stuff for documenting scenes and building out the file. Um, so like I'll go in, I'll do the baselines, uh, uh, same way that I would do any sort of crime scene or anything, uh, or accident scene. I do a shot from each corner of the room, uh, wide shot shots of everything that's interesting and go through the house in, um, I go counterclockwise. I think mm -hmm. most people go counterclockwise mm -hmm. on everything. But I just go through the home like that, get those photographs, draw out my diagram of the house so that I can take notes and kind of mark for, you know, visual of of where things are happening so I can set up my equipment. I'll mark where equipment and stuff set up. Um, but I like video primarily because it documents what yeah. I'm doing. So, yeah. like, uh, there's there's been times where we've gotten a disembodied voice, but on the video we can see somebody on the other side of the house, and it was just the way that it carried through the vents and hit the recorder. So we've been able to debunk yeah. that way. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but the big thing is just recording what you're doing. And if you do see something that's picked up on the camera, it's amazing because when you're talking to other investigators, you can kind of use that as a, Hey, look at this. This is nuts. Um, but nobody's going to take that as actual evidence. Your, your experience is more important to, to you saying that someone, something is haunted than the actual. Yeah. I, unless it's live, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm actually seeing what they're seeing, you know, and if something appeared, I'd be like, okay, this is live. They, they, can't photoshop that you know uh, unless somebody was had the sheet over them and ran across no, dude, <laughs> i did i did special effects in a in a haunted house uh for there, there's there's ways is there ways yeah <laughs> really yeah. oh man there's ways um and time stamps like like yeah. if you are recording i always make sure that my time stamps are set you know with mm -hmm. the actual time and date and everything and like you said i i trust the girl gopros i i usually put two in opposite corners so because they have that 180 degrees so the whole room's pretty much captured plus plus the one on my hat so you're seeing what i'm saying yep. you know so i i always think that's the best way because all the time stamps are, are correlated and you know i can put them all on the screen at the same time and yep you unless you've got uh unless you want to take the time to set up an nvr or something gopros are, are definitely the way to go i used um high eight millimeter cameras when i first started yeah, uh, then yeah. I went to the DVR and then the MVRs have been fantastic. But if you notice, you don't get as much on 4k as you did with the earlier oh. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just use the 1080s. <laughs> That's all I got are 1080p. So, um, so tell us more about, about, uh, your, your podcast goes hunter. You know, I know yeah. you said you, you take questions and stuff. Um, you know, how, how long, how many questions do you get until, until you decide to do a show? 
It depends. Like uh, I'll, I'll look at the questions and when I, when it looks like I have about an hour's worth of content, I'll, I'll put out an episode. Okay. So people just email their questions to ghosthunteradvice at gmail.com. I go over questions about um, tech. I go over questions about getting access to locations, um, doing detailed histories. Most of the, the evidence that I get on stuff is actually from the, uh, the history of the property and, and people who lived there before the, the people who were in the houses or on the properties. Um, but yeah, just uh, whenever I have about an hour's worth of content, I'll put that out. I'll send an email out so they know when the show's coming out. And I'll, I i don't just leave them hanging because it might be, you know, it might be a couple of weeks before I have enough to do an episode. So yeah. like you email me, I'm going to email you back your answer. But then I'm also going to tell you like, hey, um, I'm going to be doing this podcast episode on this date, this time on Parapost Network. Drop the link in there um, so people can like add to, you know, hey, thanks for answering my question. But I also have this, this and this. And then we just kind of roll from there. And then you, you of course, set up all, all your advertising, you know, for, for Parapost and stuff. Yeah. Is there a particular day you usually usually try to do the podcast on or it's no, just it's whenever, whenever you got that? Yeah, so my, my day job, I work, um, uh, especially right now because we're, we're ramping up and trying to get a lot of properties. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm working 16, 20 hour days. So it's whenever, yeah. all right, I have this hole in my schedule coming up. I'm going to do the episode this day. And then also doing the other stuff for the other podcasts and stuff that are, that are actually monetized. Okay. Or, all right. You're a busy man, dude. How do, you get, <laughs> how do you get this? I'm glad you could come on today. You made time for us. Our, just our little show, dude. No, no, time blocking, man. That's uh, so. I wrote, uh, I've written four, four books, um, at between the between the hours of four and six in the morning. So like, you just get up early, start yeah. the day, block it. Uh, I was out running stuff, doing marketing before I jumped on here, and then I'm gonna go back out as soon as we're as soon as we're off. But it's just taking control of your time. Yeah, man. No, I, I can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. <laughs> so, um, so you don't do any more cases now. So, so a family reached out, you know, with, with everything that they've heard today, what would you tell them? Um, so I still do some cases, uh, but it, okay. I'm, I'm more of a, of a content creator than a, than an investigator now. So if it's something they really need help with, yeah, I'll, I'll go out and help them, but there's, there's stages. So, I would yeah, have yeah. start off with a notebook, start off, uh, go through therapy, uh, talk to a counselor, talk to people, start doing some more, some more positive things. Um, if they make it through that, I'll go out and do the investigation. I can also refer them to, to different teams. So, so being in real estate, when you get these properties, when it's empty, are you like, you know, just sneak out to the car, <laughs> grab the voice recorder, <laughs> K2, make sure it's not haunted. Nope. <laughs> no, there are cameras everywhere yeah Everybody, everybody's got cameras set up so nope i keep those uh, I keep those. <laughs> as far apart as i can you get people that say oh my house is haunted that's why i'm moving and you're like oh you found the right real estate agent <laughs> somebody turned me on to this show on sci-fi that's called sure real estate yeah, um, yeah it's uh apparently they're real estate agents that specialize and they call them problem properties Oh, okay. So, yeah, they, right. so they, they deal with hauntings and they clear them and then they sell the property. So that's pretty cool. There's a book uh, by Grady Hendrix, if you guys like horror novels, called How to Sell oh. a Haunted House. And it's amazing. Oh. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out, man. That's crazy. Um, So get, I don't know, man. Like, there's so much that I have questions about. Like, like your theories on, um, uh, like, demons. Mm-hmm. What do what do you say? What do you think about that? And like what the Catholic Church does to for exorcisms and stuff? I think it's interesting. Like um, a, a big thing that gets left out in a lot of movies is in the uh, in the rites uh, as you're going through the investigation, as you're setting things up to actually do an exorcism. One of the things that you have to find out during the investigative process is it a demon that is under the authority of the Christian God or the Catholic God. So they recognize different um, entities from different faiths and different entities from outside of like angelic, demonic, uh, supernatural and preternatural stuff. Um, So I think that that is interesting and it gets left out a lot Um, with demons and things. Again, I go back and forth on whether it's things that have always been here that have been sucked into our religions. And these these are just the terms that we've we've come to describe these things as. Um, or if it's things that we've actually created, if you're familiar with the, uh, the Philip project, mm-hmm. uh, or the Philip experiment, 
um, they, it was, it was a group of people that actually caused manifestations and caused activity to happen just from, uh, belief and, and theater, um, around the idea. If you have hundreds or thousands of years of people believing one thing and believing in an entity and believing certain things happen a certain way, um, I think it, it has an effect. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. See me personally, I, I, I've never, unless I see it or I've experienced it, I, I, just won't believe it you know you know mm -hmm. i i i don't know man like i think if they were a jerk or you know really bad person in life you know i think their consciousness or their spirit you know is going to be a jerk <laughs> you know what i mean and and i just i've never seen anything you know black shadow red eyes you know, like like in the movies and stuff you know even in exorcism you know if, if I, I would love to see an exorcism sometime, you know, see somebody that believes they're actually possessed. I, mm -hmm. You know, I've never heard of it or I mean, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it or heard of it happening here. So there was one case that uh, that I did. There's There's been two, uh, but there was one in particular that ended in a um, it wasn't Catholic. So it's technically not an exorcism, uh, but in a deliverance. So mm -hmm. the minister was there. Um, he got sick. I got involved. Uh, I don't want to go into like a ton of detail. Yeah, we yeah. had things off the wall. Uh, we, we saw this very solid shadow, not cast on a wall, not, not cast on the floor, actually standing in hmm. the room. And this, this one is, is one that I have absolutely no freaking way to explain. Um, outside of maybe, demons are real but it's um it had these massive wings that I, I can't describe as anything else but these massive wings that uh, that opened up in the middle of the house in the middle of the hallway there um and it um i ended up getting involved and actually like the the minister crumpled over handed me the book pointed and i i started reading things got very intense and then it just oh. stopped um i was sick for days after that, I, I, there was a, there was a pain and a tiredness that I've never experienced. Something hurt. I have no idea what it was, but there was just something a, in me that was just a deep, deep, deep tired. Um, like and that depression is the, or just like, no, just tired. It, it was, uh, brain so I, I was, uh, so I was, a uh, I, I competed in Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit. It yeah. was like I had gone, um, and done two or three CrossFit competitions in a single day. Like my wow. muscles hurt, my muscles were sore. And there was a, there was a pain in the, like in the center of me that I, I couldn't place to a physical part of my body. If that makes sense. My, wow. It was like my soul was tired. And uh, this is the best <laughs> way that I can describe that. Uh, Dude, but you I need was... to make a movie of that. <laughs> I, I, I would buy the first Dang. tickets, dude. I'm telling you, if, if you need to make a movie, I, I'll play you, dude. Because <laughs> you, you'd be too busy directing, man. That is a story, dude. You, that, yeah, that is amazing. Like, uh, I mean, just in the aspect of what we do in in our research, I mean, to be there and experience that. that that's crazy. And then suffering afterwards sucks, but you know, I, I, I've had that happen <laughs> where you're drained. Yeah. I doubt. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about it. Um, but it's maybe it doesn't happen to ministers and people who like prepare properly to right, do that yeah. thing, but, but Oh my God, that was awful. I mean, to have the priest, you know, on the ground pointing to the book because he can't do anything <laughs> that that would set a blockbuster. I guarantee you. Like, that. Ah, like, a oh, great movie. <laughs> oh man, dude. It, uh, so we're coming up almost on an hour. Um, I know you got, you got things to do. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think AJ's not feeling well, so he took off. So, um, but man, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to come and talk with us. Um, you know, I'd love to have you on again and, and you know, shoot some stuff. And uh, I'm sure we can arrange that. But um, but yeah, man, I would love to show you some of my stuff. Um, do you do you have any YouTube videos that, of your investigations that people could watch? I mean, after the no, show, dude, like, I want to go see some of your stuff. You <laughs> no, know? 
<laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't post evidence or anything like that. It's just how tos okay. and, and advice on things. But yeah, no, it uh, it gets it's it's fun. <laughs> and that's that's no. something that I think a lot of people that part was not. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but there's most of what I do now is is helping people set up for their first time to go like ghost hunting. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't tell them that story. Or else. <laughs> they won't go. That's one that I don't talk about a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm glad you shared it with us, man. I, I really appreciate all your time. Um, I wish you nothing but love and light on your journey. And, um, you know, thank you for, for being on the show today. Yeah. No, I, thanks for having me on, man. It's been great. Yeah. And I'm saying bye for AJ, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks thanks t appreciate it man. Yeah. all right guys uh amazing show amazing show t t was awesome um so subscribe to parapost uh network and um you know you can see his podcast i'm, I'm sure um, i can't wait to see his next one i'm, I'm definitely going to watch it and um yeah, we lost AJ. I don't I don't know what happened to AJ. I think he got sick. He didn't look too well in the, the beginning. So yeah, that it was definitely uh, a great story that he told. I, I can't thank him enough for that. But um I, I appreciate you guys uh for tuning in and we'll see you uh next Sunday. And um man, I, I'm just kind of overwhelmed. So but thanks again. We'll see you.